So Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to look at verses 15 to 21, and I'd ask if you can to stand for the reading of God's word. Hear the word of the Lord. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Please be seated. Father, what I pray and ask now is that our minds and hearts would be very much open uh, to you. We pray that we would uh, not be distracted or a source of distraction. But Lord, we pray that by your spirit, um, you would just reveal yourself to us now. Be in my mind and my thinking, my mouth and my speaking, and uh, be glorified in every heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So a number of years ago, there was uh, this uh, news story of a policeman, his name was uh, Dan Carney. He received a letter and an $8 money order from another man named Alfred Edmund. Alfred uh, Alfred Edmund had run out of gas 21 years before while he was on a job interview. And Edmund didn't have enough money for gas, and so uh, Sergeant Carney gave him $8 to fuel up his bike. And Edmund uh, wrote down the name of the police officer, but then uh, lost it and didn't find it for many, many, many years later. And he wrote a note with that $8 um, uh, money order. And this is what he says. He says, I doubt if it means much to you now, but thank you for being there for me 21 years ago. And may God bless you always. Gratefully yours, Alfred. So 21 years later, and the guy is still grateful for an act of kindness, and he is unsettled until he can finally express it. Like, I got this gratitude, and I got to give it out. You know, I want to let this guy know I'm thankful. Finally, 21 years later, he gets that opportunity. Now, why is it? Why do we find it important to say uh, thank you? Why is it good uh, for us to say thank you? Uh, is it simply, you know, just to be polite? Is it merely a courtesy? Uh, actually, according to a, a, an article published in uh, Reader's Digest a while back, uh, experts have found that those who make it a point to practice gratitude, they sleep better. They exercise more, they feel more optimistic and less materialistic, are more empathetic and joyful, and can even have sharper minds. There's all the benefits of gratitude, you know, mental health benefits, emotional benefits, relational benefits, physical benefits, right? You might even be smarter as a result of being grateful. The Bible, of course, would agree that Thanksgiving is good and right, But even more important than being thankful is to whom are we thankful and uh, and for what are we thankful? 
And so here in Ephesians 5.20, we have this uh, kind of uh, all-encompassing statement that says, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. But the interesting thing about that statement is the context, right? So, so Paul is saying, you know, you should always be giving thanks to God and for everything. But if you look at the context, in verse 15, it says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil, because the days are evil. Satan is on the prowl, Uh, human pride and wickedness are rampant. Uh, There is natural catastrophes and suffering and misery on both the good and the bad. There's persecution. There's oppression of the rich over the poor and such. Paul himself actually is in prison while he writes this letter. And the reality is, not only he, but we live in days that are evil. And yet, in the middle of these evil days, what are we to be thankful for? In verse 20, it says, for everything. Now, that's easy to do, right? Thanks for everything, right? That's easy to do on the good days, right? When everything is going our way and we got good health and our relationships are good and our job is good and, and you know, or we're on vacation or whatever, we're around the, 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 the feast table of Thanksgiving with all of our friends and loved ones and such and we're having a wonderful meal. It's so easy to be thankful when days are good. But what about when the days are evil? Yet Paul says, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. Now, what does this mean? Like, in some ways, it looks like we are to deny, you know, reality, you know, as if we're supposed to pretend. We're having a really terrible day. Terrible things are happening. But when somebody asks you, how are you doing? Great! You know, we're just kind of in denial, you know, just praising the Lord. Just, you know, grateful every day for everything. Just sounds like we're, 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 Paul is saying, you're, just live in denial. Just pretend, you know, just, just stick your head in the sand. Just look on the bright side. Just say, you know, it's, it's not so bad. But it doesn't say that we are to be thankful only when things are going well or for the things that make life good or pleasing to us and when things are going right, but for everything, always. Even in painful confusing, dark times. Now, I also have to, however, at the same time, I have to really qualify here. When it says, be thankful for everything, that's, that's not for the actual evil, by the way. Lord, thank you so much for evil days. Is not like that's just a contradiction of what the rest of the Bible would say, right? Someone is murdered or raped or there's a terror, terrorist attack or you're diagnosed with cancer. This is not saying, oh, thank you, Lord, for cancer. Thank you, Lord, for rape. Thank you, Lord, for war is not what this passage is saying. We are to weep with those who weep. We are not to be thankful for things that grieve the heart of God himself. But within the context of it, you can think of it more like this, giving thanks always concerning all things. We're in this context of evil days, but even then we can be thankful. 
And so then the question and challenge for us is, are you thankful? Uh, does, does Thanksgiving mark your life? Is that something that you practice regularly? Are you a thankful person? But then also, are you thankful always for everything in your life, in all situations? Not only in good times and good days, but in times of trial and pain and suffering and disappointment and loss. Again, right, the objection, I'd, I'd be faking it if I gave thanks when I wasn't thankful. It seems like it's dishonest. John Piper says, but, but let us be very careful here. It doesn't say you should dance around the coffin. It doesn't say you can't cry if you have cancer. It doesn't say that there's no place for anger against injustice. But it does say, always be thankful for everything. And this is the word of God, not merely the word of man. So in other words, it is possible to be sorrowful, to be in pain, to be confused, to be disappointed and thankful at the same time. Paul, of course, is a case in point. Right? Paul himself is in prison at this, at this time, and he is expressing, in earlier chapters, he is expressing thanksgiving to God, even though his circumstances are really, really hard. Later on, he also talks about a, another difficult circumstance for him. He doesn't use the word thanksgiving, but it certainly expresses somebody who is thankful, when he talks about his uh, thorn in his flesh in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, if you want to go there as, as well as uh, it's on freegrace.me, the outline. Paul says this, he says, uh, to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations that God has given to me, a thorn was given me in the flesh. We don't know exactly what that was. But he says, then he goes on and describes it more. He says, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. So in other words, there was something that happened to him that he says was actually given to him that actually made his life really difficult. And it was agonizing to the point where he pleads with God. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me, right? It was so distressing that he pleads with God at three different times, please take this away. But God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly, gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may, must, may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So Paul was actually able to be thankful for even his thorn in the flesh. Because when I'm weak, then I'm strong. But then, of course, the question is, I don't know about you, but for me, it's like, but how? How in the world? How do we possibly do this? How can I be thankful in a trial, in suffering, in pain, in loss? Like, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't even seem possible Paul actually gives us a clue in verse 18 when he says, be filled with the Spirit, right? Don't try this without the Spirit, you know. Don't try this at home, kids, right? Don't try this without the Spirit. You won't be able to do it. 
So in other words, this is strictly really only a Christian person can do this, right? Even an atheist can be grateful for good things in life, but only a Christian can be grateful when life is hard. But it has to do with being filled with the Spirit. So it's in response to an outflowing of being filled with the Spirit, are we able to give thanks always? It's the only way this can be done. Because the Spirit enables us actually to see things from a different perspective, from God's perspective. Enables us to see the big picture and to trust God who is omnipotent and who is an all-wise Father in heaven who can even take the evils of this world and make them work together for eternal good. Like Paul says in Romans 8.28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. And that includes tragedy. And that includes war. And that includes terrorist attacks. And that includes trials and death in the family and cancer and and being fired and disaster and whatever it may be. God is able to work it out for a good end for those who love him. And so our prayer might be, Lord, I don't see it now, but I trust in your wisdom and goodness. And I believe that you will make all things Beautiful in your way, in your time, for your glory and my good. In other words, we give thanks by faith. Nothing is random, nothing is meaningless, and evil and darkness doesn't ultimately prevail. But by the way, if we struggle with this, or if we say, no, you know what, that's unrealistic, I'm not going to do that, and you're like, what are the alternatives, by the way? When we are going through hard times, what are, what are our options to being thankful how do we respond? Well, we, for some, you know, it's interesting in the context of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Paul also says, don't get drunk with wine, right? Which would be one of the responses. That's, that's the other response. When you're going through when, when days are dark and days are evil, what's another response? You can be thankful or you can get drunk. You know, that's the other option, right? Just numb yourself out and just forget the whole thing. Or you could become anxious or afraid or depressed or angry or devastated. Or you can grumble. You can feel sorry for yourself. You can complain. You can lash out. You can, or you can throw yourself into your work or turn to porn or video games or some other escape route. But we know that these cannot be the right responses. These can't be God-honoring responses. These can't actually be good for us type of responses. Never are we told in scripture that it's okay to complain or be selfishly angry or, or be anxious or devastated or get drunk or whatever. This is, the, this is the opposite. That's the opposite of being filled with the Spirit. But if we ask, why do we respond with these ways instead of with gratitude, right? We complain. We feel sorry for ourselves. You know, we question God. And it's not fair. It's not right or whatever. Like, why do we do that? Instead of giving thanks, why do we respond that way? Well, underneath it all is pride, right? I deserve better than this. My life should be going better than this. And it's a complete denial of the grace of God. 
So, give thanks, people. Amen. Uh, true enough. That's the simple application, right? Give thanks. Uh, give, give thanks uh, in the first place for all the things that bring you joy. Right? All the easy things. Don't forget to give thanks for these things. You know, regularly thinking about and, and, and expressing thanksgiving for your health, for your kids, for your friendships, your relationships, your spouse, your house, your car, your stuff. Good weather, beauty all around you, turkey, all the rest. Right? Give thanks. But are you going through a trying time in your life? What's the application there? Give thanks. Help me even now, Lord, to thank you in faith that you are working even this out for my good and your glory. But now the question is, well, but how do we know? How can we even be sure of that? How do we know we can actually trust that God's going to work things out? How can I actually truly be grateful? Truly be grateful. Well, and the key to this is that you need to remember your salvation. Right? Verse 20 goes on. It says, always giving thanks to God the Father and in everything, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, for his sake and for the sake of his name and glory. You see, you cannot give thanks in the name of Jesus until you give thanks for Jesus. And the gospel is, I was a rebel. I was a rebel against God. I was sinful and proud and ungrateful, deserving nothing but wrath and judgment. Right? I didn't deserve anything good. I deserved the opposite of good. I deserved nothing good. But then Jesus came and lived the perfect life. He lived the perfect life in your place. He lived the perfect life in my place. A a life marked by suffering on the one hand. And him being faithful and grateful on the other hand. Throughout his life. Like even at the Last Supper. And we're going to be reminded of this in, in the Lord's Supper amazing that in the last, in the last supper, uh, it says, it says, and Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus is giving thanks for the symbol of his body, which is about to be broken. In other words, given as a sacrifice for the sins. He's giving thanks. Elsewhere it says, and, and he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank it. And he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. So Jesus has very much in mind what is about to happen here. He is about to lay down his life on the cross for our sins. He is about to be forsaken by the Father and experience and drink the cup of wrath upon the cross. He's going to experience the flames of hell itself. And what do we find him doing? Giving thanks. Bless you. He's gonna. He's he's gonna. He's giving thanks in his darkest hour, which doesn't mean, by the way, in a, in a few moments later he's gonna be he's gonna be weeping. He's gonna be crying out to God, and if there be any other way, take this cup from me. But he also knows the big picture. 
It's not like he's singing as he goes to the cross. Because the cross was the most horrific thing, the most evil thing that humanity has ever done. And yet Jesus goes to the cross and thinks about the cross and he has thankfulness in his heart and is expressing thanks as he breaks the bread, as he gives the cup, his body, his blood. Why? Because he knew what the outworking of the cross would be. Your salvation. My salvation. The people that he loves saved from their sins. And friends, if God did that for you, and if he loves you that much, if God brought about the greatest good through the greatest suffering, something that cost him everything, then can't he be trusted in any suffering that you might be going through and even giving thanks, knowing that whatever it is, he's going to work it out for good. Who would have thought that anybody could ever have given thanks for Jesus being sacrificed on a cross, nailed to a cross? Who would have ever thought that that would be thankworthy? And yet God brings about his salvation for us through it. So are you a Christian who is suffering? Let the, if so, then let the emphasis be on the fact that you are a Christian rather than whatever it is that you are suffering. Right? I have cancer, or I'm broke, or I'm in chronic pain, or I have depression. You know what? That, that, that may be true, but that's not the fundamental truth is. The fundamental truth is I'm a child of God and I have cancer. I'm a child of God and I'm suffering. But the child of God part is much bigger than than any tragedy that I might be going through. And so, of course, God is out for your ultimate good and therefore give thanks. I love the way that Jonathan Edwards, he was a preacher of a few centuries ago, the way that he words it. He says, why Christians can always be rejoicing, why we can always be thankful. He says, our bad things turn out for good. Our good things can never be lost. And the best things are yet to come. Bad things, whatever bad things are happening in your life right now, God's actually going to turn it around and make it somehow, make it for your good. That it was actually better that it happened to you than that it didn't. Certain things we might lose and be taken away from us, our, our health, our reputation, a relationship, a job, or a loved one, or whatever, but the salvation, our salvation, the love of God, forgiveness of sins, adoption, righteous standing before Him, that will never be taken away. You'll never lose that. And the best, the best is yet to come. A world of no more suffering. And no more tears, and no more darkness, no more evil, no more sadness, no more death, no more sin, no more suffering, no more. And eventually you are going to be transformed into a being so glorious, something far greater than your aspirations or anything you can even imagine. And you will live with God in the family of God forever in the new heaven and the new earth. Joy inexpressible, peace that is abounding, unquenchable love. So yes, we have good reasons to give thanks always at any time. Just in closing, in one sense, it's like, oh, I should just stop right there. Perfect. 
Um, but just in closing, there is a word of warning, by the way, here too. Did you see how Paul started it all off with? Don't be foolish. Don't be foolish. Don't walk according to the evil of the world. Don't be ungrateful and disobedient and arrogant. He says, be wise. For those who continue to do so and live in their foolishness, rejecting God, all they will know for all eternity are an eternity of evil days. They'll never be good days. Things will never work out good for you if you are ungrateful and foolish. But the will of God and to be wise is that you might turn from your sin and turn to Jesus. The one who came into the world of evil and lived in the days of evil in order to deliver us from evil and to bring us to God and to give us life and forgiveness and security and peace and the Holy Spirit and community and joy that can never be taken from us and will last forever. Friends, turn to Jesus. If you've never turned to Jesus, turn to Jesus, and you will always have reasons for thanksgiving. Always. Amen. Let's pray together.